0: Welcome ladies and gentlemen to the danger room in the X-Men Comics. Commentary this is the historia de Manny Rivera, mejor conocido como.. Hijo del legendario héroe. Nieto del perverso supervillano. Fuma LOCO! El Tigre, Las Aventuras de Manny Rivera. I'm Adam. And I'm Jeremy. And we're here today, or tonight, to talk about the X-Men number 25, the double-sized anniversary issue.
1: It's not double-sized. Oh,
0: well, well, I just assumed because it was number 25 and this being a comic book that it would be double-sized.
1: You know what happens when you assume.
0: I, I know. You
1: make an ass <laughs> out of you and me.
0: Uh, <laughs> no, you
1: didn't like that one. Okay, anyways.
0: I can't believe you went there.
1: <laughs> it is the October nineteen sixty six issue. Right, you are. And you're right. It what? What is the? It's the, it's the silver anniversary of the X Men because it's twenty five. Right, silver. Right. Yeah. Okay.
0: Uh, and in this day and age, this would be a double-sized issue. Absolutely. Back in the old days, they were still keeping it real.
1: They uh, they just didn't want to you know sp- uh, pay for the extra pages. I'm assuming.
0: Yeah. Really. Didn't Didn't this series start out with 22 pages and now it's down to 20? I don't know, but the issues do seem to be getting a little bit shorter. Yeah, they they used to be 22, 23 pages, and now they're just 20.
1: Hmm, interesting. So on the cover of this issue, we see four X-Men attacking Mumra. Yeah. (laughs) Or some other Egyptian-looking guy, which is weird because it says it's featuring the Menace of El Tigre. And as we all know, El Tigre is Spanish for The Tigre. (laughs) <laughs> that's it folks that's the only joke i have planned for the entire issue
0: oh <laughs> i'll laugh extra long for it mm-hmm. thank you what's interesting is in the omnibus edition mm-hmm. they have omitted the word of and it says the menace L.T. Gray." oh interesting i think i think that's an error
1: oh okay so uh i don't know let's let's get right into it eh
0: yeah, we got a nice splash page and uh, title page. The Power Independent is the name of this issue.
1: And uh, we see two halves of some sort of rocky-looking thing. And on one side, we see the four male X-Men and then the three Tigres. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or something like that.
0: Judging by this caption, the these three guys are made up of a group of uh, they're a group of individuals who form the band El Tigre.
1: <laughs> That's right, and they're currently on tour. Yes,
0: they're described as the mildly incomparable menace. That doesn't sound good at all, though.
1: <laughs> it doesn't sound very threatening. <laughs> but I have to imagine if it's these three guys versus the four uh, premier male members of the X-Men, these are some powerful guys. It would have to be. Mm -hmm. Really powerful. (laughs) And so uh, another change that I noted is that the little edited, scripted, illustrated by thing has gotten a little less campy and corny and has just gone to kind of the standard thing of just a, a little box there.
0: Yeah, we have edited by Stan Lee, scripted by Roy Thomas, illustrated by Werner Ruff, Inked by Dick Ayers, lettered by Sam Rosen, and a little tongue in cheek here, imitated by Brand Eck.
1: <laughs>
0: which was Marvel's name for DC at the time.
1: Yes, yes.
0: I don't know why. Why is why do they call them Brand Eck? I don't know.
1: Like, Eck. It's that other brand, Brand Eck guess i don't know it's as clever as they could come up with in the 60s maybe i
0: don't know i would think they would be like a play on the letters dc so maybe it's like ec or something i don't know Mm. wasn't ec a comic company
1: ec was definitely a comic company producing horror comics but they may have stopped around the 60s when the comics code was introduced
0: right so So any comics code around at this time oh Oh, yeah this issue was approved by the comics code i'm pretty sure all of them were
1: i think there's a little bit of trivia like if you look at the first few fantastic four or spider-man one of those series the first three issues are not covered by the comics code i think i might have that wrong but anyways yeah those
0: those are all the pornographic issues
1: yeah those are the ones which sue storm did strip teases for reed richards it's they're hot but really rare to find so good luck As as my typical complaint goes, this splash screen here bears no uh, uh, importance whatsoever to the story. It's just there to be cover part two, so that we can burn a page.
0: Yeah, it's it's a it's a typical splash page, which gives you uh, a little bit. Like if you read the comic and you go back, you can recognize some of this, the, the the symbolism here. They describe it uh, in the caption is intended to score the deep socio-psychological significance of the suspenseful saga you're about to devour.
1: Yes. Try saying that five times fast. No, wait, don't. Okay, so (laughs) (laughs) on the next page, the X-Men are driving down the road in the Professor's Rolls-Royce. I don't know who's driving because in the next panel, I can't really tell who's sitting where, but nobody seems to be sitting in the driver's seat. Yeah, we find out later that Warren's driving. Oh, Warren drives? Okay. Maybe that's how he gets all of his money. He's the professor's little boy toy. (laughs) Warren, the pool needs cleaning. Warren, drive my car. And they're driving up next to the Abercrombie and Fitch Orphanage.
0: They're actually taking Marvel Girl back to college, and um, they happen to be on the way past an orphanage, and it's burning. The Abercrombie and Fitch
1: Orphanage is burning. Am I not making any sense? It's Abercrombie and Fitch. The clothing (laughs) company? Sounds
0: like a song. Oh, all right. Apparently Abercrombie and Fitch Orphanage is burning. (laughs) Abercrombie and Fitch Orphanages. Yeah, I lost it. (laughs) I should have dropped and Fitch.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, anyways, Abercrombie and Fitch is a uh, clothing designer, Adam.
0: Yes, yes, they okay. are. All right, anyways. I, I'm totally with you. I was just pretending oh, not to be. Oh,
1: all right. Just, just leaving me hanging there so I had to feel like yep. I had
0: to explain Pretty this. much. Oh, okay, yeah. thanks.
1: Thanks, thanks. Thanks for that.
0: Still pretty sore over that whole assuming thing. <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> all right, so anyways, the professor points out that all of those children will be trapped and all of
0: you should go in there and help Quickly. But before you do, make sure you all put on your uniforms.
1: Yeah, and so somehow in the Rolls Royce, all five X-Men, because Jean Grey is there, because as you said, they're taking her to college, uh, apparently stripped down naked and put their costumes
0: on, which is that's yeah, pretty cool. It's pretty hot. Well, no. And the next panel, she's the only one hiding in the bushes. So clearly, <laughs> she left the car. Mm. Aha. <laughs> and they all changed in the car. Gotcha. Meanwhile, the orphanage is burning. And I don't understand. Why not just abandon the costumes just this once, go in, it's not like anybody's going to know who they are anyway.
1: Right. Oh, is that guy over there? Is that, is that Bobby Drake? It is. Oh, my gosh. I know Bobby Drake's secret identity.
0: Well, first of all, Iceman doesn't have to change his costume. He can. He just ices up. He, he should not. In fact, he should be in the lead here. He should already be. <laughs> by the time everybody else changes, he should already be at the orphanage. Icing
1: up the fire.
0: Yes, yeah. which he never does.
1: So, uh, anyways, Cyclops decides to take this opportunity to yell at Gene Yeah. Hurry, Gene, we may have need of your telekinetic powers. Oh, I'm sorry, Scott. I must have been daydreaming.
0: Yeah. I don't know. It looks like she's still in the process of changing.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Actually, it looks like she's doing one of those uh, girl in the woods pee squat things. (laughs) So who knows? (laughs) Maybe Marvel Girl's got a weak bladder.
0: So Angel flies up to the roof, and he... Can only rescue two children at a time, so he grabs the first two children.
1: Yeah, he's not very strong, but the children instantly recognize him as the angel, and thus are pretty excited about the about that.
0: Yeah, the X-Men are coming to save them. And not
1: just the X-Men, but the angel! Wow, imagine yeah, right. we're getting rescued by the X-Men in person, as opposed to it's remotely. A, it's great that our orphanage is on fire. Hooray! This way we get to meet the X-Men. So uh, the beast climbs up the side of the
0: wall and Iceman creates himself a little ice ladder. And here we get a sign that Iceman, well, besides not putting out the fire, um, complains that he wishes he had wings. This is our first bit of jealousy of, of Angel from Iceman.
1: Yeah, he seems to be a little bit jealous of the power there. But who wouldn't? I mean, he can fly, right?
0: Yep, and he's a playboy. Can't argue with that. So Cyclops and Marvel Girl are doing absolutely nothing, it looks like, of keeping all the, the kids who aren't burning from running into the orphanage.
1: Well, Cyclops is supervising, as any good leader would do, and you see him, he's standing on the ground kind of pointing around, and Marvel Girl is uh, comforting the children because she's a woman.
0: Yeah, I. She's, she's shown her skills. She should be throwing drapes on top of the fire or <laughs> something. I don't know, trying to suffocate the fire or maybe telekinetically moving stuff around.
1: Well, in the next panel, it's interesting because she's barefoot and she's making a sandwich. So uh, I don't know what direction <laughs> this comic book is taking, but apparently uh, she's turned into a housewife of the 60s. No. Uh, Angel drops off a couple of children. And is too winded to go get some more. Yeah, well, he, he inhaled a lot of smoke up there, so he's got to take a little bit of a break. Iceman is walking down the ladder with a child, and that kid, I mean, come on, that kid is grabbing hand over fist, icy rungs. <laughs> Slippery, icy rungs. How effective do you think an ice
0: ladder really is? I'm not too envious of that kid. <laughs> and he's got to be cold and also probably slipping.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, And so the smoke is a little bit too much for them, and it's also getting hot, and Iceman's ice ladder, which is next to the fire, collapses.
0: You know, this is the most ineffective saving ever of the X-Men. Why doesn't Iceman... Well, A, put out the fire with his ice. Mm-hmm. But forget that. Let's say let's say the fire is just too big to do that. Mm-hmm. Why doesn't he create an ice slide from the roof to the ground so that the kids can slide down? That's a really excellent point. He's always making slides for
1: himself. And he's made slides yeah. for the other X-Men to slide around on. Yeah. I think this is just another case of them just not really thinking things through and being
0: headstrong. Or if for some reason they need to show off all their... I don't know, individual use of powers and they don't want anybody to showboat, but it doesn't make any sense.
1: Well, the children are there, so they, you know, they're they're showing off basically for the kids.
0: <laughs> so the ladder breaks and Iceman and the poor hapless child fall to the ground and die. Yep. It's a very sad end to this panel. Uh no. Marvel Girl happens to, she can't see them through the smoke, but she, she guesses based on their screaming, childish voices that uh, where they are and manages to land them safely.
1: Cyclops is, careful, gee, you're Marvel Girl. Their <laughs>
0: toppling bodies might be too heavy for you, woman. Yeah, and then Iceman says, "I say, you look gravy as anything, and... and she just, she says she's fine, just a bit weakened by the strain. I think Marvel Girl's pregnant. <laughs> I think so, because we have clearly seen her in previous issues
1: lift seven or eight women over her head, not the theater marquees, and, and catch the beast and twirl them around. This is just Iceman, who's the smallest and youngest of the X-Men and a child. I think she could handle this. And she really hasn't done anything else throughout
0: this entire issue yet. And Scott has seemed extra worried, this issue. Mm, mm -hmm. The toppling bodies might be too heavy for you. That definitely sounds like pregnancy. The Mm. question is, who's the father?
1: Right, right, right. My guess is it's Magneto. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have to go with you on that one. Magnetically charged
0: sperms. (laughs) (laughs)
1: anyhow so uh the beast is with three children and uh the last
0: three children on the roof
1: the fire is uh coming around them and getting closer and they're gonna well the beast is trying his best to uh say don't worry little children the x-men will come save us
0: he's like i could get down by myself but then be that'd be really awful if i did that well which is true i think most of it has to do with the fact that two of the three
1: children are boys so (laughs) you know how the beast is yeah yeah this is when cyclops springs into action and he notices that beast is in the need of a little bit of rescuing so he blasts the roots of a tree and knocks it down on top of the uh, school to create them a i don't know when a ramp down from the top of the school to the ground. Worst plan ever. <laughs> yeah, it's the worst plan ever because the branches basically take out the children and the trunk knocks the beast to the ground and they're all dead.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, that doesn't happen. No, that doesn't happen, but that's what would happen. Could have happened. Um, at the very least, he does shout timber. So I'm happy about that.
1: They were practicing that move in the danger room. <laughs>
0: There is no way that these kids are able to get down this tree branch. I mean, this tree trunk. Um, It would be, it would be terrible. I would be totally scared. But they do it.
1: The firemen come and the X-Men leave.
0: Yeah, the X-Men disappear. They don't want to be seen by the authorities because they've had, they've had trouble in the past. Mm Mm-hmm. So rather than try to circumvent that trouble, they just avoid it.
1: Thus fueling the flames of their outlaw-ish status. And the X-Men busily change into their uh, street clothes to take Gene
0: to school. We get another lovelorn Gene Gray panel. During the crisis, Scott seems so worried about me, almost as if he cared. But now that danger's past, he's cold, aloof. Perhaps I'll never solve the enigma of
1: Scott Summers. Perhaps not, Gene. Perhaps not. <laughs> so they drop Gene off at Metro... What is it? Metro U? Metro, Metro College is what they call it here. Yeah. And Jean, all she wants to do is try to forget all about her life at, the, at Professor Xavier's school, which begs the question, why does she keep going back?
0: well she she wants to forget how much she misses it.
1: yeah, well, Not,
0: she doesn't want to forget it, I suppose
1: Well, it says trying to forget how much I miss the life. Okay, all right, well, there's a little bit of both forgetting and missing, but still <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, so but then she w- Roberts meets her at mm-hmm. the uh at the steps of Metro college, and um I think we have a candidate for father of the baby mm-hmm.
1: It's all that orange drink she's been or he's been giving her. Yeah. Uh,
0: roofied orange drink. He he is very orange. He's got orange hair and a kind of brownish-orange sweater vest. So
1: uh, Cyclops notices this, and he wants to tell... Um, he He's happy that she's happy, apparently, but he can't decide whether or not he's happy. Even if it means leaving the
0: X-Men once and for all. Again, Which he's threatened to do like 8,000 times. Warren gets all uppity and realizes that he doesn't have a chance with Gene and says basically that he's going to start dating other women. It's a turning point for the angel. Which is good. Uh, Professor X sitting in the back is clearly reading both of their minds.
1: (laughs) And is ashamed for both of them. (laughs) You...
0: Keep your eyes on the road, Warren. Poor Jeez.
1: deluded boys. First of all, the only reason she likes Scott is because I have mind wiped her into liking Scott so that <laughs> <laughs> it'll raise his self-esteem. Angel, you never had a chance with her. <laughs> Keep your eyes on the road and clean my pool when we get back. Meanwhile, in Mexico, we find yes. that the band LT Gray is on tour, but they've lost their way to the stage.
0: Performing a rocking gig at in Central America at the Mayan god uh, pyramid of Kukulkan.
1: Is that what it, is that how we're pronouncing it?
0: Kukulkan? Uh, I don't know. I don't care, man. I, I, it's a very arduous thing to say. Just kuh- go with one of those, and I'll pronounce it one way, and you pronounce it another
1: way. See, look, they've got a pronunciation here for. Tigre at the bottom. It says Tigre, pronounced Tigre, Spanish for tiger. Natch. Okay, so whatever. But they don't have a pronunciation guide for Kukulkan. which know. actually has one of those little dashes above the A, so you know it's not probably pronounced. It's probably like Cuculcon, Cuculcon, or something like so that.
0: I can't tell what the uh, what the signal over the A is. So it's either cane or con, but I'm guessing it's con. Well, regardless, El Tigre, Uh,
1: the Tigre, is looking for something, uh, and he wants to be the richest man in San Rico.
0: There's some sort of treasure hidden uh, under the Mayan god god Kukulkan's pyramid. Mm -hmm. So he gets uh, the bassist Ramon and the keyboard player player Tolok to set up camp.
1: Yeah, and uh, even though Ramon is... Uh, saying that he, there, we are, we'll do as you command. El Tigre senses that there might be some uh, shenanigans that Ramon might be planning.
0: He detects that he actually is being despised by his his two and potentially uh, deceived bandmates. Yep.
1: Yes, they want to do. Uh, they want to take over lead vocals for a while. No, they're not actually his bandmates, but we're going to keep calling them that. Pretty much. Uh, so they decide they'll set up camp before tomorrow's big gig. And in the next page, we learned that El Tigre is a cowboy. Uh...
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's he's an interesting fellow. He he Rather than go to bed, he immediately demands they dig, and he is so into it that he too is going to dig.
1: Yeah, this is actually kind of funny because he's yelling at them like, you will search and you will do it swift and you better find the thing quickly. And then the next panel is like, oh, I found it. Never mind, guys. I I found it over here. I don't know. It's kind of an interesting way to write this. I I would have written it so that maybe they found it. But anyways, uh, basically, the need for Ramon and Tolak so far have been uh, completely unnecessary. They despise him. They despise him. But they do find something. It's
0: a... He couldn't have removed this giant slab without them. That's true.
1: That's true. So this is when they finally snap into action and they all uh use wooden slabs or wooden boards as a lever to get the slab off.
0: Yep, and then they find some sacred gold of Kukulkan. 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 <laughs> Sorry. God. Kukulkan. Oh,
1: I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> uh and so at, at this point uh the Tigray all he wants to do is be rich. Uh but in the midst of finding this treasure, a little something pops out of a cup, and he immediately senses that it must have some power.
0: He's, he's definitely interested in it. It's, it's a strangely shaped ornament. Um, he says it may, be, it may be a priceless gem. It may be utterly worth this. Whatever. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pocket it for later because right now I'm focused on the gold.
1: The drawing here is is pretty... uh, It looks kind of like a chicken McNugget, in my opinion. But uh, (laughs) he says, uh, Oh, I have explored two continents in my search for treasures hidden by ancient tribes, but I have never seen anything like this. And it's just... I don't know. It's kind of junky looking. But anyways, yeah, like you said, he pockets it. And so he says that they will get
0: to work on the morrow. It's time to go to sleep. They're all... Finally, getting their rest. And this is when Ramon and Tolak uh, start their treachery. Yep. They decide that they're going to uh, not quite murder El Tigre yet, Mm -hmm. but they're going to tie him up and get him to do all the rest of the digging. I thought they were done with the digging, but I guess not.
1: Maybe they want more treasure. Uh, But then the Tigre's spider sense kicks in and warns him that somebody is approaching.
0: Yes, his brand new tiger degrade sense. Sure. That works.
1: His tiger tigre, sense. his tiger sense kicks in and uh and then he's actually able to use some form of is it mental control or is it telepathy? Here? I'm not tell is it telepathy or telekinesis? It looks like it's telekinesis. Yeah. Yeah, so it, he he kind of binds the two together
0: using the rope that they were going to use to to bind him but he uses a mental form of telekinesis to tie them together. The lasso ties itself around them.
1: Okay, so let's. I, I just kind of want to, as we go, kind of keep track of what powers he displays. So, so far he's got his tiger sense and he's got some tiger telekinesis. Yes. Okay, uh, and so he says, I have lots of powers now, and if you want some money, you'll help me and I'll let you go.
0: And they're, they're they're pretty fearful of him now, and so they agree.
1: Mm-hmm. But now he's he's so hopped up on his little gem or his powers or whatever, he can't
0: go back asleep. He's able to read some nearby hieroglyphs. Um, not sure where he is. They're near, so nearby. I thought he was in his tent.
1: <laughs> I don't know. But... <laughs> no, actually, if you look at the panel previously, he's just laying uh, in the middle of the field, basically, uh, apparently next to a fire. So not in a tent, but...
0: Yeah, I guess he's laying near some hieroglyphics and uh now he can read them. Yet another power.
1: What would this be called? Tiger deciphering. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so
1: that's three powers. Tiger ciphering. Tight. Oh, tiger cipher. Alright. We'll use that. Uh and then he is he is able to read the sacred uh, the story of the sacred pendant of Kukulkan.
0: Which basically says that he now has half of an amulet that uh if he finds the other half will give him unlimited power.
1: He's gonna try to find the other half. Because that's what a guy does when he's when he's
0: crazy. Or named the T Grey. There is a danger of a curse as well, but he's like, forget the curse, curse or no curse.
1: <laughs> I shall find the other half and nothing shall stop me. <laughs> All right, so then uh the next panel, we're back at the X Mansion with the X Men studying in the library when Iceman professes his love to the beast by offering him a Iceman shaped rink. Well, an Iceman provided rink.
0: The beast shows his strange lack of interest by saying, Sorry, uh my there are no skates so we'll feed my feet my foot. Fit my foot. Fit my feet.
1: <laughs> basically say I'm not, I'm not gay, but uh, what do you, I'm not, I'm not gay. I'm going to, I'm going to read this book about women. Look at this. Hmm. Women.
0: And they joke around. Scott just can't keep his mind off of Gene and he hopes that anything will happen when suddenly Cerebro goes off Whee! with its annoying alarm.
1: And uh, the professor says, oh, it's fortunate that I turned up the volume of Cerebro's warning system since I made myself a private lab that's almost soundproof. I don't know why that even needs to be included as a form of dialogue. Can't we just assume that the prof- that anywhere in the mansion you can always hear Cerebro without some bit of uh, dialogue?
0: Yeah, I don't know. Um, I would imagine that, that would come into play, but probably not.
1: I don't know. It... Anyways, he says, I will activate my mechanical legs and go downstairs at once. Oh, he hasn't used those mechanical yet legs in a few issues.
0: No, he used them last issue.
1: Did he? Oh, yeah, that's right, because he was the hobo or whatever. Yeah. Okay, so he doesn't use them very often. But anyways, he's using them now, and uh, the X-Men are turning on the TV to try to tune in the latest news to find out what's going on. Because of the Cerebro thing.
0: The professor falls down the stairs.
1: Yeah. Luckily though, the professor knew that he would probably one day fall at this exact point. So he had some robot arms installed next
0: to the stairway. Which makes me wonder is are there these robot tentacles installed all over the mansion? They're every three feet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they're on the ceiling, the floor, the kitchen, and the bathroom. They're they're literally everywhere. People wonder where the professor's fortune went. They all went to tentacles in case he falls. Yeah, yeah.
0: I'm assuming the point of this little uh, scenario is just to show that the professor's legs are not perfect yet, and that's why he doesn't wear them all the time.
1: Yeah, but they could have just let him fall down the stairs. He's like, "Oh, my my students, I'm I'm okay, I'm okay." Instead of the tentacles are an invention designed for such an emergency, and I activated them with my thought waves. Really. Yeah, we need that. We needed that in the issue. I guess so. Okay, so anyways, the professor is able to mentally control mechanical tentacles,
0: and apparently the legs are completely turned off because they have to put him back in a chair now.
1: Yep, yep, they've completely failed. Uh, Cyclops picks him up and puts him in the chair.
0: Here's where uh, we learn a part of Cerebro that it has never done before. Cerebro sometimes reacts to conditions which are quite similar to mutation. Now, how many times have we encountered a villain who wasn't a mutant but was also similar to mutation, and Cerebro did react, didn't react? I don't know. I'm, I'm confused about all this.
1: My guess is that Cerebro never acts the same, so whenever they say Cerebro has never acted this way before, they're always right okay (laughs) (laughs) no matter what the threat is mutant non-mutant uh pizza guy at the door anything is just oh i've never seen cerebro like this yep i made a tune-up change this morning he no longer sounds like he used to uh -uh, that makes sense all right (laughs) so anyhow i think they're trying to use this as a device to explain why we can't quite get a clear picture of the villain at hand but whatever
0: Uh, Yeah, and they say that he's extremely powerful. They can determine that much.
1: Yes, yes, they can.
0: So the X-Men... They're commanded by Professor X to go into the city of Manhattan and search out any wrongdoing that may lead them to this new threat quite similar to a mutant.
1: (laughs) So this is what... I'm kind of getting tired of in the X-Men, but Angel uh, heads out first and says, well, there's nothing strange out here except for that copter over there, and uh, the next panel out of that copter comes the three amigos. Um, Every (laughs) single time in every single issue, the X-Men immediately bump into their enemy and uh, maybe not realize it, or maybe they do realize it, but still, come on. It's Manhattan. It's a pretty big place.
0: In this time, not only does the Angel bump into it, but then... Hank and Bobby bump into them on the streets as they're looking for a taxi. And then on the next page, Cyclops bumps into them on the way to their hotel. What this tells me, now, I got to imagine that, you know, okay, so
1: they had the hotel, I mean, not the hotel, the, the helicopter, it landed at the airport, they hailed a cab, and they went to a hotel that was probably somewhat close. What was the X-Men's radius? Because <laughs> they all seemed to be in the same spot. Or were they literally like... Cyclops, how about you just go twenty yards over there and look?
0: <laughs> they just started searching.
1: <laughs> me and, and Beastle, we're gonna search over here, but you just go over there.
0: They all got off the subway together.
1: Really, they're just like God. I can't stand Cyclops. Can you know? I hate him. he's always moping. Ugh.
0: So here we get another use of El Tigre's powers. He is very impatient about finding a taxi. Every taxi doesn't seem to stop, so he mentally controls a passenger of a taxi to think that the taxi is too hot, and the, so the taxi guy pulls over, lets the passenger out, and El Tigroy gets his own taxi.
1: As is uh, the fashion in New York City these days. Mm, yes. I guess, I don't know. So anyways, he commands the taxi driver to take him to the nearest uh, hotel. Uh he and uh, as they leave the, uh, this is where Cyclops runs into them as well. He says, hey, those guys are weird, but eh, whatever.
0: Cyclops goes back to his own hotel where, or yeah, where, where the the X-Men have rented a room at the hotel, which must be nearby. So I'm guessing they all left the hotel just like moments ago. That's That's really fortuitous luck. They did like 10 minutes of searching and they got tired. So then
1: they decide to pull a men in black trick and try to look at the tabloids to see if there's any weird stories in there because those might provide some clues for them.
0: Right, because this person who is arriving in the city today will be published in the news today.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's a poor plan, but anyways, that's why Scott's the leader. He he had a plan at least, nobody else did. So he goes uh, across the street, Cyclops does to check out the latest tabloid, and uh, apparently there's no UFO reportings or anything.
0: He gets bumped into by a random person who accidentally knocks his glasses off, and he blasts the ground um, and nearly kills the dude.
1: Yeah. Sorry, mister, this is just a part of my er,
0: magic act guy immediately thinks oh you're a mutant and then everybody hears him so they're like a mutant let's get him so this lends credibility to
1: i think we were talking about this uh, many many episodes ago about who and how cyclops can damage people yeah because he's covering his eyes with his hands and the blasts are just kind of like shooting through the gaps in his fingers and uh, where his palm would connect to his face or whatever so he can't hurt himself with his blast which is why he doesn't blast his own eyelids off so
0: So why doesn't he close his eyes i'm telling you he should just rip those things out i mean if he can't shoot through his own eyelids he should just close his eyes and search the ground instead of i mean he can't see anyway since he has his hand covering his eyes
1: i think as a long-term solution what he should do is he should sew his eyes together so that he can't open them, but then paint eyeballs on his eyelids that are closed. I think that would be awesome. (laughs) And then he'd be cured. He'd bump into a
0: lot of things, but he'd be cured, and he'd never blink. Here's a question. Why hasn't anybody ever invented ruby quartz contacts? I
1: don't... I don't... I think that that might have been addressed somewhere way down the line. But then that means you got to ask the question... Is his power derived from his pupils or from his eye? Because the contact will only cover the pupil. Hmm, okay. So anyhow, yeah, yeah. Uh, so he does a little bit of whining here about, you know, no matter what I do, some of my power beam, oh, I might kill somebody.
0: I haven't time to stop and reason with them. I've got to get back to the others fast. <laughs> like he's going to stop and re- reason with these this mob.
1: So he's literally across the street and yet the other X-Men are like, what happened out there? <laughs> I was, didn't you hear the people and me blowing things? Uh, nothing, nothing.
0: <laughs> just an accident. My protective glasses fell off. Luckily, nobody was hurt this time. Whew. Wait, listen.
1: <laughs> Angel says to take everything away uh, from yeah, Cyclops. Hey, because
0: it Angel was like, "Friggin' Cyclops. I'm just going to continue watching TV. <laughs>
1: <laughs> always the drama queen scott so they uh they watched the tv and uh they learned that there was an inexplicable frenzy and brawl
0: at a nightclub yes this is all happening very quickly i have to wonder how
1: i don't know oh. because my question is uh in the 60s did they have videotape
0: I guess I guess so.
1: Or was it all film? I mean, would, would this have to be something that they would have to... Maybe I'm getting too technical here, but I mean, I did they... They
0: did have video, but I think it was, like, really complicated. Like, you had to have a backpack. Like, there was... You had to basically have the equivalent of a VCR on your back.
1: Oh, okay. Because I'm wondering, like, did you... I think you, that was in the 60s. Did you literally have the ability to, you know, at 2 o'clock film something and then have it at the 5 o'clock news? That, I...
0: I I would assume yeah probably um probably but like I said it was it was pretty bulky if if it did exist. I'm not sure I don't have my video timeline. <laughs> Come on Adam.
1: I thought you were a <laughs> videographer historian. Well, (laughs) well, yeah. Yeah, So anyways, uh, the camera is panning around apparently on this destruction, and then they flip to a scene of these three amigos sitting around drinking whiskey, and it's a very clear, close-up picture of these three guys practically posing for the camera.
0: They're described as uh, the only customers who did not partake in the brawl at the club.
1: What this infers is that the three amigos show up and the T Gray says, You know what, boys, I want to have some fun. Let me let me mentally command all of these people in this room to fight each other and, and then we can bet on them.
0: <laughs> and, yeah, something like that.
1: And then they do, and, and meanwhile the camera, this big bulky backpack camera is there, and they're just like, Hey, boys, I want you to smile for that camera. We're gonna be famous. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, sir, the T gray. and so they do Uh, and then it's at this point that the X-Men are like hey I saw him at the airport I saw him at the hotel I saw him in a helicopter I saw him in a plane but I mean actually Angel didn't see them but whatever
0: I saw the plane they must have landed
1: in (laughs) there was a very fishy helicopter with a Mexican flag on it
0: it must have been them so they have been in New York for all of an hour (laughs) ah two I'm gonna give them two okay fine (laughs) they have to have had two because you know you get into your hotel you want to settle into the room a little bit Mm -hmm. assuming they all have separate rooms so they're checking out tv stations yeah 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 and they go out they go to a bar then they decide to get in that they want the entire bar to fight each other yeah two hours at least
1: you know and at some point in there i mean they had the whole flight over so they probably had to grab some dinner so you know maybe we're even looking at three hours but you know Mm, they're movers and shakers it's at this point that the professor chimes in and says hey boys i heard what you just heard and now i'm ready to tell you everything
0: yeah Uh, and how does he explain this he says uh I isolated myself mentally for several hours so that I could make some delicate adjustments on Cerebro. Now the machine has enabled me to ascertain the identity and whereabouts of our query query.
1: This sounds like the most powerful device ever. And based on this device's existence, there's no need whatsoever for the X-Men.
0: It's not entirely true, because then he goes on to say he locates the three men you saw in television, but he never tells the X-Men their names. Therefore, he doesn't know their identities.
1: Yeah, but he's able to mentally project what the Tigray was thinking and what they were saying and what the police said as the car was speeding away from them and many, many other things.
0: You know what? You're right. I totally missed this. I was just pretending like this was just happening and wasn't part of a flashback. But you're totally right. This is the professor relating all of this to the X-Men.
1: Right. I read this like giving that what you just said, like this is what's actually happening. But it's not. It's clear that the X-Men or the professor or whatever is hearing and seeing all of this take place. It makes no sense.
0: Horrible. <laughs> And yet amusing.
1: So anyways, the the, the one piece here is the, the gray senses during the professor's, I don't know what he's doing, if he's doing a flashback here or if this is real time or what's going on. But anyways, the Grays commands the taxi driver to keep going and don't stop for anything. But then he figures out, oh, no, I sense a danger up there. My gray senses is, is flaring up. So he has the car do a U-turn and the police are kind of like, oh, I don't get it. Sam, how'd that guy know we were here? Search me. Come on, let's get in the patrol car and stop the cab. That seems like an awful lot of dialogue for two cops to be like, hey, he's getting away, let's get in the car and go.
0: (laughs) Anyhow. This is a very wordy magazine. This is, you know, everybody's got to have a lot of dialogue. These are like actors who are desperate for attention.
1: Finally, I get some lines. (laughs) They let the cabbie go. And it's at this point. So this is real time. So the professor's like, no, actually, he's he's saying this past tense. Then suddenly, as I endeavored to delve more deeply into the brain of El Tigre to learn the object of his midnight quest, my presence was discovered past tense. (laughs) So the professor was able to see the past with cerebro.
0: Well, no, I think he was seeing it present time, but then oh. he went. He went. He was like, "Then I went and made a sandwich,
1: and <laughs> I then gotcha. I watched I gotcha. some TV,
0: and now I am reporting it to you." Gotcha.
1: All right. So it's at this point that, uh, or at that point in the past, or or whatever, that the T. Gray uh, saw that or, or felt that the professor or something, some power, was uh, trying to penetrate his mind. So he put up a mental defense. So, okay, he's got telekinesis. Uh teleciphering, telepathy, telepathic blocks spider sense.
0: He can block the professor, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, so that's five powers he's got there. Pretty powerful dude. Yeah. More powerful than Professor X and Gene Grey combined.
1: So, the X-Men, now if you'll notice here, again, I just want to point out how much they like changing with one another. At the beginning of this page, while they began listening to the story, they were in their street clothes. And by the end of the story, they were changed into their X-costumes. So, they were all naked together in the same room listening to the professor's story.
0: I have to imagine that they change each other.
1: (laughs) I think you're right. Except for the Iceman. He just watches. He's just left out. <laughs> one actually at this point in the comic book, and I don't know why it was this particular one, but I started wondering, like, why do they go at s- such great lengths to show that Iceman has shorts underneath his little ice armor?
0: Well, because otherwise he'd be naked. <laughs> so he's Iceman. That would be that would be that would be wrong. He's also got boots, little ice boots. <laughs> the boots don't make very much sense, but all right. They keep his feet from getting cold.
1: Okay. So it's it's for the decency of the children.
0: So for whatever reason, they go out through the lobby instead of through the window. Oh,
1: well, I also found this comical because the guy's like, what? The X-Men are guests in my hotel? I don't know, but I intend to find out. And Beast is like, ha-ha, little do they know that we've filed under pseudonyms. And it's like, okay, well, first of all... They came out of that hotel elevator, so they don't know what room they came out of. And second of all, nobody knows who Hank McCoy is.
0: Yeah, and the other thing is, how many how many groups of four gentlemen checked into a room together?
1: Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, apparently the professor, when he sent them off on this mission, decided not to send them with any vehicles. No X-copter, no plane, no Rolls Royce. So the X-Men are left to get their own cab.
0: Oh, here's another instance of uh, Iceman being jealous of Angel. Mm -hmm. Angel says, ah, to fly again, to soar free, unfettered. To which Iceman replies, riding an ice board is a blast too, but I don't make a federal case out of it.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of Uh, unnecessary chatter.
0: I I, I found it amusing.
1: If I was Cyclops, I would tell them all to be quiet. (laughs) (laughs)
0: They're, They're detracting from the mission. So they get a tag a taxi and hopefully they pay for it, but we don't find out. We don't back know. in the early days we would be we would have a panel of Cyclops paying. <laughs> That's true.
1: Oh, it's a good thing like, that the deputy leader carries a little man purse with him underneath his costume so I can play pay for taxi cabs and ice cream for iceman. Or like collecting change for from everybody. <laughs>
0: I need a dollar fifty. Does anybody got anything?
1: So they go to the museum where they... That's where they lost track of the Tigray. And if this issue hadn't already kind of seemed like it's falling apart, this is where it really falls apart, in my opinion. So they get into the museum, and just like a good team does, they immediately split up. Zoinks! <laughs> yes. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and it's typical Scooby-Doo fashion because a... Uh, A bodiless suit of armor attacks the Beast. Oh, it must
0: be Magneto.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Or or the ghost that's always chasing Scooby and Shaggy. (laughs) So Beast is, he? whoa, that suit of armor hit me, but I see somebody in the next room. I better go get him.
0: Somebody throws a bola at him, and it it manages to catch his legs.
1: Mm-hmm. Now I want to stop here for just a minute. This is the twenty fifth issue, and Beast is a big guy, but he's athletic. Uh and I would say that he's pretty graceful in terms of how he uses his abilities. And he's a pretty smart guy and usually thinks things out a few steps ahead of time, right? Yep. So agree. in this page, all of that goes out the window. I mean, he does make a couple of good plans. Like he gets caught up in the bola whip, but he's like, no problem. I'm just going to jump to that chandelier and hang from my feet and uh, untie this thing. But it's at this point that uh, he hits himself in the head with the bolas,
0: which is completely out of character for the beast. To be fair, it's, it's not his fault. He doesn't hit himself in the head. They just happen to be swinging around and... He can't control the way they swing, and they just happen to swing into his head. But
1: this is the beast. He could have swung sideways? Or... It's
0: like ridiculous, I agree. But, you know, I, I, I don't find it as unbelievable as you do. I just find it poor storytelling.
1: Okay, well, this is where the true power of
0: Ramon is learned. El Tigre, El Tigre began the attack by activating the, mo- the armor of a medieval knight, and I have finished the task. The beast will bother us no more.
1: Yep, that's that's Ramon's power. He, so
0: the beast is dead.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he kills people with his bolas after uh, the Tigray activates armor or something.
0: The beast was taken down by a mere human.
1: Pretty pretty sad, huh? Yeah. So Iceman is also patrolling the what looks like the Alaskan wing of the uh, museum due to that Eskimo in the background. When he decides he'll feel
0: safer with an ice club it's a good thing he does because suddenly, out of nowhere, a ice an ice a machete comes flying at him and uh goes right through his ice club. It's not a machete, it's a
1: machete. Oh, of <laughs> course yeah, uh, yeah, and so the machete it smashed the machete it smashed the club <laughs>
0: <laughs> or something so he goes running and uh, immediately decides to run down some stairs. He trips over a rope that somebody has strung across the uh, stairway
1: on the event that somebody would be looking for them. So it's quite well-placed rope and a good plan. The Iceman, for some reason, decides to create himself an ice slide, which he didn't do for the, uh, the orphans, but does for himself.
0: Right, and for some reason he creates an ice slide that Takes him directly into a wall. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of things don't make sense about this panel because what he could have done was just curved the slide so that he continues off to the side, but I guess.
1: Yeah. No, I know, I'm with you. There's two things wrong with this. First is Iceman has never ridden one of his slides like this, and I understand that he's tripped, but. All right, come on. Give the Iceman some credit. He's had some training. He could have gotten himself upright again. And then you're right. He could have slid the thing left or right. But he even has time to be like, oh, they didn't count on my slide. Or did they? I'm heading toward a stone wall at the bottom of the steps. And there's no way I can stop in time. I'm going to hit. Wow. (laughs) What? (laughs) Really?
0: All right. He was speaking very very fast. Yeah. Or did he? I'm heading towards the stone wall at the bottom of the steps and there's no way I can stop. That. I'm going to hit Ha Yo. ha.
1: A second X-Men falls. That leaves only two more. But who says that?
0: It's got to be Tolak because that's uh his machete.
1: Oh. Okay. Good call. I because we got to see Ramon and his bola, but we didn't get to see Tolak. We see his machete, but we don't see Tolok in this panel at all, or this page at all. Okay. In the next page,
0: the angel is zooming around the woolly mammoths. And he hears Iceman cry out, so he immediately goes to help save him. He makes a racist comment he does
1: what does he say he says oh if those bushy baboons which that in itself isn't very racist because it makes no sense harmed him i'll make them wish they'd never left the jumping bean farm (laughs) now that's that's pretty funny but that's pretty racist well it's it's not even like it's not even accurate racism either it's just like really stupid (laughs) no because mexican jumping beans i I understand
0: the reference it's just really lame it's pretty funny. The jumping bean farm.
1: Oh, those jumping bean back pickers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And it really shows uh, America's racism at its height in the 60s. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so he uh, goes to fly and find the jumping bean farmers.
0: Tolak throws a spear at Angel, who dodges it commenting that the guy has pretty accurate aim and is is quite impressive.
1: Yeah, if he'd have been a fraction of a second slower, he'd have the wings of a real angel because he'd be dead. Oh, my. (laughs) It's a little extreme. And how does he get off assuming he's going to heaven? (laughs) After the jumping beam comment, I don't know if I'd uh, (laughs) jump to that conclusion so quickly. Anyways, uh, he's like, all right, Buster, now you've had your turn. It's my
0: turn. He goes diving at his assailant only to realize that what he thought was his assailant is actually a wax dummy. So he figures, ah, whoever attacked me must have been standing directly in front of this. He figured I'd knock myself silly by flying into it. But then where is my real
1: opponent? Why are they talking to themselves? And why some of the words are even bolded. So, I mean, that kind of in, uh, insinuates that they're yelling a little bit. A yeah. wax dummy. Whoever attacked me must have been standing in front of it.
0: You know, I've trained myself over the years to ignore all bolding in comic books because <laughs> it's like every third word gets bolded. Mm.
1: Okay, even if you ignore that. Now, in comic books, you either have the bubble thing, which is a thought, or you have the dashed line, which is a whisper. But when you have word balloons, you're literally in a normal voice talking. So he's yeah, yeah. He's just narrating everything right now.
0: Yeah, which, you know, is unnecessary, but it's what the X-Men do when they're by themselves. They talk to themselves. Ugh. Yeah, there's no reason that this shouldn't have been made into uh, thought bubble.
1: Or no dialogue at all. I think the picture speaks for itself. (laughs) Oh, Oh, no. Oh, no.
0: You couldn't do that in the
1: 60s. (laughs) (laughs) We pay by the word there, son. A wordless comic book. Who's going to pay money for that? Ah, I don't know. Not to beat a dead horse, but they're supposed to be checking this place out, trying to be a little bit stealthy, maybe surprise their assailants. But no. Blah, blah, blah. I think I'm going to fly around and see what's going on over here. And blah, blah. Oh, I just got hit by somebody who was hiding and not making any noise. How weird. <laughs> hey, everybody. <laughs> so then Tolak, he, he talks about some of his Amazonian jungle stuff and gloats that if it had been his choice, it would have been poison and not just a sleeping drug.
0: Because he shoots him, he shoots Angel in the back of the neck with a, a dart from a blowgun, knocks him unconscious.
1: So now Cyclops is sneaking around the statue room, and uh, he is actually thinking to himself, and actually use, utilizing a little bit of stealth here.
0: Yeah, he's the only one who's being stealthy and using logic for some. He he figures that they would go to the pre-Columbian wing.
1: Right, because they're they're uh, jumping bean farmers,
0: exactly.
1: <clears throat> and so he uh, he hides behind something because he sees the tigre and his cape walking towards him. Uh, but just then, a very loud
0: click is heard, which I guess is the sound of somebody turning on his flashlight. Yes, it's the security guard who
1: wants to know what is Cyclops doing in here. And that's when El Tigre discovers both the uh, security guard and Cyclops. And this is where Cyclops goes out of thought and says, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense because they all look like they're within like three feet of each other, but Cyclops <laughs> is like, he gave away my hiding place, and now he's, he, he looks like he's under El Tigre's domination. Instead of El Tigre saying what he should say, she should be like, Cyclops, I'm right here. <laughs> Who are you talking
0: to? <laughs> Correct, Cyclops. I could not have planned it any better. Guard, hold him here. Oh, I'm doing like a. a (laughs) I don't know what you're doing. Mm, Blah. Guard, guard, hold him here. Blah, and suck his blood. I was doing a vampire. Yeah. (laughs) Um, guard, hold him here at gunpoint. And if he makes a move or cries for help, shoot him down. All I ever think of is (laughs) Ren. I'll kill you. I'll kill you, Stimby! Cyclops
1: wonders how El Tigre gains such fantastic powers. He wonders what he can do, because if he moves, he'll be shot. And he wonders where the X-Men are. The Tigre finds the amulet from Central America, which turns out to be the second half of the Pendant of Kukulkan.
0: Yep. And he puts the the two halves of the amulets together as Cyclops tries to negotiate with the guard who is still under El Tigre's control. Cyclops wonders where the others are.
1: Hey, I got a question for you. Uh, Ramon and Tolok, are they along for the ride out of their own choice, or are they under the mental sway of the
0: Tigre? All we know is that they initially agreed to the plan because they were afraid of El Tigre.
1: Ah, okay. All right.
0: He mentally controlled the ropes with his telekinesis. All right. Way back at the beginning.
1: So he, he wants to join the stones, and when that's done, the wearer shall possess the attributes of the god Kukulkan himself.
0: Yep, and he... Becomes the god Kukulkan and is no longer El Tigre. Wow. He's become possessed.
1: It took them three panels and an entire page to say what you just said. (laughs) (laughs) But but yes, you're correct. Next issue, we go back in time to 1944 to witness the Holocaust. Apparently. (laughs) That's part of Kukulkan's powers, to go anywhere in history and uh, reign
0: terror. All it says is next-ish Holocaust. I'm surprised there isn't enough said after that. Holocaust, not said. If anything would have enough said, you think Holocaust would be one of those things? So this will be
1: interesting because um, at the end of the letters section, it talks about... Uh, Remember last month when we said we were racking our collective craniums to come up with just the right name for this issue's brand new, grand new supervillain? And it goes on to talk about how first he was El Tigre and now Kukulkan and how it, I mean, this whole paragraph kind of lends itself to like, this is the new Magneto. He's going to be around (laughs) for a long time. We put a lot of thought into his backstory and you're going to love him.
0: Mm, he does he does have a lot of colors that are similar to Magneto. He's got some he's got some pink, he's got some purple. He's got some dark purple.
1: The other thing I want to point out in this issue and other issues around this time period, and I don't think you can see that, but they sold pet monkeys through the mail. <laughs> My issues have all the ads and it says Sea you, Monkeys. No, not sea monkeys. A darling Over pet in. monkey for eight dollars and nine eighteen dollars and ninety-five cents. It's a squirrel it's a squirrel monkey and they sold them for pets.
0: Very very curious.
1: And in this picture it's it's a little tiny monkey wearing a shirt. That's <laughs> awesome. In in the palm of somebody's hand. Wow. Could you imagine could- having a
0: palm-sized monkey? it couldn't be real they were like little stuffed monkeys or something
1: these young monkeys grow about 12 inches high eats the same food as you do even likes lollipops simple to care for and train free cage free leather collar and leash monkey toy and instructions included live delivery guaranteed
0: something weird is up with that
1: <laughs> dude i'm going to we're going to scan this in and it's going to go into the little little things that we put there but they they sold live monkeys uh, through comic books <laughs> in the 60s now how come we can't uh, bring that? We have an ailing economy, and I bet you the thing that would get us through this economy would be live monkey sales through comic books. You'd buy one for 20 bucks. Yeah, sure I mean, just come to on. see
0: how they would deliver it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, and then you've got a monkey that wears a shirt and eats lollipops. I mean, come on, who doesn't want that? <laughs> you could train it to be a little helper monkey. You could train it to smoke. Oh my gosh, a little tiny smoking monkey. All right, maybe I'm taking it too far. Anyhow, (laughs) (laughs) that has concluded uh,
0: this particular issue of the X-Men. Another interesting point of note is in the letters page, I I noticed that there was a letter from Carlos Pacheco, which if you have any idea who Carlos Pacheco is, he goes on to be an artist for the X-Men leader.
1: Get out of here.
0: I don't know if it's the same Carlos Pacheco, but... um, like, I guess he would probably be like five or six around this time.
1: Well, if you actually read this letter, it's it's written like it came out of a five or six-year-old. Okay.
0: So it might possibly be him, which would be pretty cool. But he goes on to be an artist for the Fantastic Four and, uh, and the X-Men. He, he does about a year's worth of X-Men issues.
1: Yep, one of the things that we were going to do, which we never really got around to, is read all of the letters, note all of the names, and see if any of those folks went on to be Marvel Comics creators or anything else, really.
0: Imagine. Yeah, I've been looking at the names. I don't read the letters anymore, though, unless unless I recognize one of the names. Yeah, okay. Which I haven't done for 25 issues until now. Yeah, well, I mean, come on. Those are good odds.
1: Yeah. So uh feel free to drop us a line at Danger Room at redcapproductions.com. That's by email, or visit us at ww.redcapproductions forward slash danger room. Or you can go to Facebook.com forward slash room podcast.
0: We actually had somebody drop us a line at the Facebook page. Get out of here. What'd they say? Uh Arthur W. Painter said uh referring back to we had we had talked about Uh, what a frozen JD was. Oh, okay. Jerk Deuce. He says, you guys had asked what a frozen JD was. Sorry, in this case, it's not Jack Daniels. It stands for a juvenile delinquent. Thank you, Mr. Painter.
1: Thank you, Mr.
0: Painter. It's good to know that there's somebody out there listening. Okay, cool. Uh, And then you can follow us, I guess, at... At Danger Room Go, twi- uh, or you can just go to twitter.com slash Danger Room Go to make, it, make your life easier.
1: Yeah, I think actually we're making everybody's life harder by coming up with all these ways that you can connect with us because I can't even remember them all. And then, of course, uh, <laughs> probably the the most uh, uh, prevalent way of of getting a hold of these episodes would be going to iTunes and uh, typing in Danger Room because we're the only thing in Danger Room under podcasts. And you could leave a little review there or subscribe or, or what have you.
0: Yeah, definitely subscribe. That'll be that'll be fun for everyone.
1: Comments on the webpage, the Redcap Productions forward slash Danger Room, are always welcome, as well as emails at uh, Danger Room at RedcapProductions dot com.
0: So many ways to contact us.
1: So little and it
0: time. it Seems like people are starting to pick their favorites, which is excellent. Yes. Thank you for listening.
1: You keep coming, and we'll keep. No, that didn't come out right. <laughs> <laughs> you keep listening and we'll keep recording. Actually, we'll probably just keep recording regardless.
0: Yeah, I and mean, we're we're we'll keep going until one of us dies. So oh, that, that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I hear there's only 500 and uh, what, 20 more issues we need to go through? Something like that, yeah. All right then. That means 10 years of podcasting. <laughs> I'm assuming well, 52 you know, a week, which we're not even hitting at this point. All right, I guess uh, we've probably worn out our welcome. So uh, this is Jeremy and Adam. our podcast.
0: We never wear out our welcome.
1: <laughs> oh, well, you know, somebody at this point's like, okay, come on. <laughs> I'm sure somebody's already pressed stop by now. This is Jeremy and Adam saying the danger room is closed. Observe con toda atención a esta magnífica formación que
0: ha causado expectativa entre los investigadores, porque representa a la deidad que los mayas llamaron Kukulkan.